our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Only thing unplugged is forgotten seasons. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Forgotten Seasons. This is your host, Dylan Dreyfus. Today, we are honing in on a rare bright spot in 21st century Knicks basketball. We got the 2013 Knicks with their starting point guard, Raymond Felton. This roster was crazy fun. In the middle of everything was Carmelo Anthony having the best season of his career. We got Tyson Chandler, J.R. Smith, Jason Kidd, Rasheed Wallace, Kenyon Martin, Steve Novak, Marcus Camby, just an electric, well-rounded squad that was really good. They won 54 games, had the number three offense in the league, and finished as the two-seed in the East behind the Miami Heat. Just to put this Knicks team into perspective, since we entered the new millennium in 2000, no other Knicks team has won 50 games, no other Knicks team has won a playoff series, and this squad's six playoff victories are more than the other 20 Knicks seasons since 2000 combined. So to say that this team meant a lot and honestly still means a lot to Knicks fans is an understatement. They ended up getting bounced in the second round by the Pacers, Paul George, David West, Roy Hibbert. But despite that, it was such a fun year and this team just really captured the hearts of the city. Let's get into the interview now, but before we do, a reminder to throw the podcast a rating and a review if you find yourself coming back. Also, be sure to check out the rest of the Showtime basketball lineup. KG certified, what's burning, all the smoke. We got the Iverson Classic coming up later in April. So be sure to tap into the whole rotation if you are not already. Forgotten Seasons with Ray Felton on the 2013 Knicks begins right now. Welcome to Ray Felton. Ray, how's it going, man? Good, man. How about yourself? Can't complain. Can't complain. We're getting into the 2013 Knicks season, a fan favorite, one of the rare bright spots in Madison Square Garden these past 20 years. Ray, to start, I just got to ask you, man, in your eyes, what is Knicks tape? Mixtape is just, it's about, it's about a brotherhood, man. It's about family. It's about, you know, just that, just that hard, that hard bread, just Knicks basketball, man. And to me, you know, from when I, when I got there, Baron Davis was the one who kind of started it, who kind of put it out there, you know, then, you know, used to always hear Iman Shumpert, you know, say it all the time. And then, you know, it's something that just kind of stuck with our team with with that year and just everybody was just using that, blasting that. So it just became a it became a thing. It became part of, you know, the Knicks culture. So, you know, it was just, I don't know. I can't give you an exact answer on where it came from, but I just remember the guys who kind of started it. And, you know, we just kind of took it from there. Guys started getting getting clothes made with Knicks tape on it, you know, so it was you no, know, it was fun. It's yeah, I mean, we still hear it today. That has not gone anywhere. And it's obviously kind of the title of this season. Everyone talks about Nick's tape. 
sort of winding back, starting with you a few years prior, you're on the Knicks in 2010-11, and you get traded to Denver in that Carmelo Anthony trade. So talk me through just like coming back that summer. Why did you want to come back to a team that had just traded you just a few years prior? Was there anybody on the Knicks, whether it's players or front office people who are really, really recruiting you at that time? How does that whole process go down summer of 2012? Well, you know, I, I, I talked to a few guys during that time. Yeah, I talked to Melo. I talked to um, Amari. You know, me and, me and Coach Wilson had a, um, a great conversation. Um, it's just one of those things where, I mean, I loved it there. You know, one of my best seasons, not the best season I've had, you know, during my career um, was in New York. Um, the fans loved me and it was just great times there. So I just wanted to get back to to that place, get back to that feeling after such a, you know, up and down, you know, not a great season that I had in Portland. So I just want to get back to a happy place. You know what I'm saying? So, you know. It it was it was hurtful, man. That trade, man. It did it, it hurt me because I really feel like it didn't it didn't have to happen because I I felt like my boy Melo was going to come there no matter what, you know he was going to come there. But you know it was just a it was a roll of the dice. It might have been a, like a little panicking situation where they was just trying to make sure that they did get him and you know things happen. That's the game of basketball. I understand it. You know just being around it as long as I was. Um, it's a business. I get it. But, oh, it was no love loss, man. You know, I, I understood it. You know, was I upset? Of course. Yeah. You know, I was having one of my best seasons. We was playing. We was rocking. You know, you know, we we had we had a guard of rocking at that time, man. It was fun. You know, we had a lot of young guys. I was still young. Amari was having an all-star season. Like, it was just it was just one of those things where it was just everything was going right. And then, boom, that happened. So, you know, it kind of kind of put a little salt in my mouth, but not enough for me to say. I would never go back there. So it was easy to go back. Does it ever come up like in the locker room where you mentioned you could have just landed mellow in free agency probably. And that meant you could have kept yourself. You could have kept Gallo, Wilson, Chandler, Mozgov. Does that ever come up in the locker room or is that just not, not even worth discussing? No, it, no, it's not, you know, because I, I really can't, I really can't say anything because it was just like a whole bunch of what ifs, you know, if we would have kept that whole team together with all those young guys and, you know, Alan Mello, Adam Mello, and then, you know, who knows what could have happened. Might've could have got something happen. We still could have got Tyson there. Things could have happened. We could have got Jason Kidd there, you know, who knows? Like a lot of, there's a lot of people that was added to that team. Iman Shumpert, you know, JR, like, you know, I, I can't complain about the team that we had that year either, because, you know, we, we was number two in the East you know, it was one of the most dominant teams in the NBA that year. So I, I, I can't complain about the team that I came back to as well. That was one of the best teams I played for as well. So, I mean, it's just, it's just one of those things, man. It's just like a lot of what ifs within that situation. But not, we never really spoke about it though. So trying to, trying to like go back to that time, summer 2012, you're going into the, the preseason training camp. To me, when you just look at this roster and remember this team, like the energy was just off the charts. I mean, the cast of characters that you got from obviously Mello, but then the vets like Sheed, Kmart, uh, Kurt Thomas, Marcus Camby. Can you try to describe just like the energy going into the preseason at training camp? And do you have any specific stories or, or memories from that time when you guys are sort of all in a room for the first time together? 
Okay, it was just like it was just so much knowledge in that in that room, man. It was just so much to soak up. You know, I'm still being a young guy, but you know, we had a couple, we had a few years under my belt. Just being around, you know, all this greatness, you know, with all these guys and just soaking up the the just the knowledge of the game, man. Just the film meetings used to be amazing. Like, you know, most most people used to hate film. I used to love film sessions. Just you know, soaking up the, the knowledge of the game that, you know, the discussions we used to have and just practice was just fun, but they was always serious. It was always teaching points. It was, it wasn't, sometimes it would be a lot of situations where some of those guys would be coaching more than the coaches, you know, because the, the knowledge that they was teaching us on defense, on offense, you know, different little things like that, man. So it was, that season was fun from day one. Like, it was just fun, man. I just really enjoyed that team. And I just really felt like I was on a team that I felt like I had an opportunity to do something special, you know, to win. Who's Who are the most vocal people in those film sessions other than Woody? I mean, I can't give, I can't give one name because depending on what was going on, what was talked about or, you know, who just decided to let off that day, you know, anybody can start talking. Anybody can get up there and point some things out. You know, and one thing we one thing I will say about that team, we all held each other accountable. Like everybody got on everybody. Didn't matter who it was. Like they would call everybody out and tell them what they was doing wrong. And we took it. We took it and that's why we were so close and that's why we were so good. Mm-hmm. So keeping like the roster breakdown going. I've heard you talk about Jason Kidd extensively. He's 39 at this time, his last season. But to you, sort of like this guru of knowledge. And I've also heard you say that it's tough to put into words what he was doing and exactly what he meant to you at that time. But mm-hmm. I am going to ask you just to, <laughs> to, to shed some light on, on how Jason Kidd was. For you, you know, you're not young, but you're also not, not as old as some of these guys what was having Jason Kidd sort of in your ear behind you? And do you remember anything specific that he told you that really helped you throughout this year? Man, it was just absolutely amazing. Just playing beside him, just like, you know, looking at this Hall of Fame, you know, basketball player, that Hall of Fame point guard, just tell me, you know, nah, you the point guard. And I'm like, huh? Nah, you, you, you our point guard, you running our team. So for him to just give me that level of confidence and give the ball to me, you know, knowing, you know, who he was, 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 was everything, you know, that, that was everything. And then, you know, just the conversations we used to have, we used to talk about play sets, talk about what I could do off these plays, off these sets, how I got, how I could get easier shots, how I can get other people easier shots. You know, I remember one instance in Miami, we was playing Miami and um, Melo didn't play that game. And uh, we, we beat Miami by like, by like 15, I want to say, 15 some points, you know, I had a great game. I had about like 27 and 27 and seven that game or something like that, if I remember. And it was just one play that we had and it was on a timeout. And he just told me to do something very specific. He said, I promise you, if you do this, you will walk all the way to the basket for a layup. And sure enough, I did exactly what he told me to do. And it was a whole lane just opened up, laid the ball up wide open, no, nobody in sight. It was just like, just things like that that he used to say and just tell me and show me and it was just like uh, just amazing man like it was amazing you see that translating now with him as the Mavs coach too. quick turnaround especially on the defensive end I think that's what people don't realize is that Jay Kidd's obviously one of the best floor generals that, that we've ever had in the game but on the defensive end every team that he went through went to throughout his career flipped a switch immediately on defense 
Was there anything like on the defensive end? Cause, cause everybody talks about his offense, but do you remember any, anything specific defensively and, and what it is about him that makes him such a brilliant defensive mind? Just, just, just positioning, just positioning, just being able to keep your man in front of you, just understanding the game, you know, just being able to read, you know, what the offense is about to do, the next play, the next, the next move they make, you know, he was so good at that, man. He was just, I don't know, like I said, man, his knowledge of the game is crazy. And then him as a coach, the way he's, he's turned around this, this Dallas Mavericks team, which has always been good, always been talented, but the way they're playing right now, to me, is one of the most dangerous teams that's in the West right now. So, um, and that's just who he is, you know, it's just the type of guy he is. And I don't know, man, like I give him all the praise in the world by far. You know, I think he's one of the most, you know, Hall of Famer players that I played, that I played with hands down. He's definitely one of my favorites. Shout out to Jay Kidd. Shout out to Jay Kidd. Moving on to to the center of the team, Carmelo Anthony, probably his best season as a pro. He wins the scoring title. When you picture Carmelo this year, is there one image in your mind that that flashes? Is it the three to the head? Is it him jabbing at the elbow? Like when you think of Melo at this time, what is just like the one thing that pops into your mind? Just focus, man. He was just so focused on just you know winning. It wasn't even about no scoring title. It wasn't about you know, none of that. It was just really, it was just winning. Like we had a team that, you know, you know, it was time to try to go do something special. It was time to go win a championship, man. That's what, and that's what it was all about. You know, if we didn't have some of those injuries that happened, you know, some of those guys, Melo not being a hundred percent during that time in the playoffs. Like I, I liked our chances, man. I really liked our chances of really doing something special and, and making it all the way. Um, but, you know, just knowing, just knowing that kid, man, ever since we was in high school, you know, playing AAU together, camps, you know, same McDonald's game. Like, like me and Melo got a, a, a different bond. Me, him, and Amari got a different bond that, you know, that some of us some of us didn't have just because, you know, we've all known each other since we was kids. So, you know, and that was just something that, you know, me and my, me and my family, me and my parents, we talk about, you know, in the sense of, like, that was just a special moment to know these guys ever since high school, you know, playing the same McDonald's game, same team, you know, on the East and then boom, you know, here we go in New York Knicks together, you know, years later in the NBA. So, you know, that was a, you know, a special moment for, for me in that sense, but um, special talent, man, you know, definitely a hall of famer for the things that he's done for this league on and off the court, you know, you know, I'm happy to see that he's still, still playing well right now down there in LA um, but yeah, that's a that's one of those, one of those guys who's gonna always be family, always gonna be my brother for life, right there. That's what's up. That's what's up. Shifting to the coach Woody, I had Jamal Crawford who played with him uh, under him in Atlanta, and he raved about him. It seems like everybody that I talk to just raves about Woody. What exactly is it about him that just just makes him such a lovable coach and a lovable guy? Because he loves you. You know what I'm saying? He loves you. You know he love all his players, man. He just. He's a player's coach. You know, he, he played his game before at a high level as well. And um, just understanding both sides of it. But at the same time, he's serious about his job. He's serious about what he do. And he just loves these guys, man. You know, you, you know, you you have a coach that has that much passion for you, not just you on the court, but just for you as a person. You know, that that goes a long way with you, man. And um, that, yeah, that's like that's like uh, one of the know most favorite things that I love about him like still to this day you know we are close and you know just just a great coach man I feel like he still should be coaching right now in the NBA because he can still coach with the new age guys now 
He ain't just an old school coach. He's a guy that can coach with the time changing of the game. Yeah, well, I mean, after this year, he has one more year and then they fire him and then it sort of goes downhill from there. So that, that, that does make sense. Shifting just quickly to the other veterans, I want to do some quick hitters on those because I feel like they are such an integral part to this team. We, you know, you talked about Camby, Sheed, uh, Kurt Thomas, um, who was, uh, I'm sure that all of them sort of chipped in in their own advice, but was there any specific player, any vet that, you know, was the one who was rallying the guys around in the locker room, like last words before the game? Was there one specific guy that kind of was like the core emotional leader of the team? If I had to pick one, it was probably it was probably MC and um and Kurt. It was probably them two, you know, those two guys, you know, just by example, things they've done, leading by example, just you know, being vocal, you know, making sure, you know, that we was ready to play, you know, each and every night. Like no, no days off, no games off, you know, and them bringing in that just bringing in that, that pedigree, you know what I'm saying? Like really took us a long way, you know, it really helped those young guys out, you know, some of them still young, wanting to, wanting to go out, hang out and do things like that. But them making us understand that, you know, that's okay to do those things, but also understand that you need to come in every day, ready to work, come in here every day, ready to play, no matter what you do the night before. Now those vets are so important. I mean, we've heard, we've seen and heard a lot of people today talk about how, those guys have kind of been weeded out of the league, those 38, 39 year olds, but it's important. I think we see these teams that go deep into the playoffs, have those guys have your Kurt Thomas's Marcus Camby's where it doesn't matter if they're not giving you 20 minutes a night on the floor. What happens off the floor is just as if not, if not more important. Mm -hmm. um, so getting into the season, hot start eight and one to start the year, you're 20 and seven at Christmas. Those 20 wins include two against Miami. What do you remember from those battles against Miami? This is year three of the LeBron Wade Bosch big three. People say that this is the absolute peak of LeBron's career. Anything specific <laughs> that you that, that you remember like battling those guys? It was fun. That's all I remember. It was fun. It was competitive. You know, it was tough. You know what I'm saying? But you know, we just, you know, I feel like, you know, we we had a number. You know, we won, we won that battle that year, you know, as far as the series of how many games we played them. And um, if we would have got past um, Indiana in that, sec that second round, you know, that's who we was going to be playing next. And I really don't think Miami wanted to see us at that time. That's just my opinion. You know, they, they may, they may say otherwise, but my opinion, I don't really think they wanted to see us. I think they rather saw um, Indiana than they, than them seeing us in that, um, in that Eastern Conference Finals, but um, I believe it. Yeah, man, that still that still bothers me to this day, man. You know, losing to Indiana, you know, just it still haunts me. But um, but yeah, man, that, that was it was some good battles that year with Miami, man. That was such a a great team, special team they had down there, and um, the battles that we had with them was definitely you know some of the best. Was there a specific moment during the year where it clicks in your mind, like, okay, we're, we're not just like good, like we're, we're legit championship good because going into the season, I don't think people were really marking you guys as that, you know, 50 plus win team championship contender. I think the line was like 46 games for your, for your win total, but you blow that out of the water. You win 54 games. Is there, is there any moment in your mind where you're watching the team, watching these results going like, okay, like, this is this is different from past years that I've been on. 
I think early in the season now I can tell, you know, probably like the first 20 games. To, like I could just tell the way we were gelling, the way we was playing, you know, just playing some of the tough teams that were supposed to be the top teams in the NBA and the way we kind of handled those guys and, you know, defeated them. And I don't know, just the, just the buildup of our team. Like I always had the confidence that, you know, if we figured out how to do this together, that it was going to be scary, you know, and we did. Were you even thinking about Indiana during the season? Because they they start out pretty slow, or is it really just like you and Miami who you're you're keying in on as that team that you have to go through? Well, yeah, everybody understood like understood that you know if we was going to do something special, we was going to have to go through Miami. But you know, you know Indiana might have started off slow, but we always knew what type of team they had down there. You know what type of you know talent type of players they had there. So we knew that was also another that was a team that we still was going to have to you know compete with at some point. Hmm. Hmm. So then going into the playoffs, you guys finished as the two seed, 54 wins. You got Boston first. They're without Rondo for that series. You go up 3-0. First playoff experience for you in the Garden. How, how can you put that into the words? What is what is that like, and how does it compare to other atmospheres you've played in? You've played in a national championship game, but what is that first playoff experience in the Garden like for you? Um, special, man. It was, um, it was amazing. It was, it was fun. Um, it's, it's, it's nothing like Madison Square Garden, man, when you're in the playoffs and, you know, those fans are in there going crazy, screaming and, you know, got your back. You know, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun, man. It was, it was definitely a special moment for me in my career and just, you know, something that I will always, always remember. Any, uh, any KG stories? I know he's always talking. See, <laughs> Yeah, KG was one of those guys, man. It was always fun to play against him, man, because he was always talk junk. You know, he used to say things up under his breath to himself, you know, about your team, about you, about whatever, you know. He just played with so much passion and desire, man. It was always fun to have those battles, man. So you take care of Boston in 6-4-2, and then going into Indiana, um, also known as the Roy Hibbert series. You said before that game one that you drop at home was sort of the only thing that goes wrong that series that mm -hmm. takes away your home court advantage. Do you still feel that way? No question. That's the one thing that, that I feel to me that broke our backs. Once we lost that game, we could never really regain home court advantage and we couldn't get a win in Indiana. We couldn't get a win there and we ended up losing the game six. And that was just tough, man. That, that was, that was hurtful because at that point they couldn't beat us no more in New York and they couldn't, and we couldn't beat them in Indiana. So we took care of business those first two games at home. And then, you know, we go all the way to game seven, but we still advance to the next round. Mm -hmm. Any memories of like a young Paul George that's sort of when he comes onto the scene, he's 22. Could you see it in him then that he was going to be something special? No question. Yeah, he was, he was definitely a special talent of just the things he can do at his size, can shoot, can jump out of the gym, you know, you know a good defender. You know, all the things that, you know, that everybody talks about today is the things that I saw early on, you know, as he was starting to splurge into to PG today. Mm. I love I love seeing those like emergences, the guys just mm. really coming out of the shell at a young age. So then just backtracking like, you know, 12, 13 ends when you think of that season today, is that is that the most fun season that you had in your NBA career? It's one of them for sure. What are the others? 
I mean, a lot of them, man. You know, my first year in the NBA was fun. You know, just, you know, dream come true, being able to play NBA basketball against a lot of guys that I looked up to, a lot of guys that I used to watch play, you know, getting, you know, soaking that in my first year. I had um, I had a fun year, you know, my, my second season here in Dallas. You know, that was a lot of fun. You know, my... You know, my first playoffs, my first playoff season with the Charlotte Bobcats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're in the NBA before I came to New York the next year, you know, that was fun. That was an experience, you know, up and on Coach Larry Brown, you know. So, I mean, it's a lot of memorable moments that I have in, in the NBA that, you know, I'm just, I was just blessed to be able to do something I love to do every year. Mm. What sticks with you from the next season? Like when you just think back today, what are the what are the the top of mind memories that that you carry with you to this day? I think all of them, man. You know, we was always tight, man. You know, we always did a lot of stuff together. Went out to eat together, hung out together. You know, went you know had like you know little sessions and little meetups, you know, at, at each other's houses and stuff. You know, throughout the season, we was just so close and so tight, man. We was like it was like a brotherhood for real. Any spots that you remember in the city that that you guys were regulars at? I'm here now. Yeah, you know, we can't give up those spots, man. Nah. Those spots are, as you know, we go to on low, you know what I'm saying? But um, no, nah, you know, we, we used to hang out in the meatpacking meat district a lot, man. Go out, go over that way, go eat, go hang out, you know, just to, you know, get away and just get away from basketball a little bit. You watching any Knicks, Knicks today? Yeah, I do. You know, I actually go back and see some games and um, do something with um, Knicks, Knicks alumni people um, at times. What, what do you think of the squad today? Some young talent, any guys that you particularly like? Uh, pretty much. I mean, they, they got a lot of young talent over there, man. I think Andre Barrett, you know, is going to be a, a good young talent they're going to have over there. You know, but like I said, once again, you know, losing veterans is, 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 is hurtful. You know what I'm saying? Losing a guy like D Rose to your team, you know, kind of hurts. You know, to me, you know, Kimber Walker has been hurt all season, you know, trying to play through things and, you know, that's another guy who's a vet, another guy who still can play and, and, and get buckets um, and really help a team. So him not being healthy, you know, like that hurts. So I think, you know, just injuries, man, injuries, 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 just some things that hurts a team. You know, I think they was good enough to, you know, be in the playoffs. But when you get big major injuries like that to guys that's very vital to your team, you know, it can it can hurt. It really hurt. And it hurts the young guys too. It hurts them as well. For sure. I mean, they could they could use some Kurt Thomas's or Marcus Canby's or Ray Felton's in that locker room, I think. Yeah, man. They 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 rooted us out of the league, man. They got us up out of there, man. I would I would have loved to, you know, at this point at the age of 37, you know, be in the league just, you know, trying to help with the young guys, the young guards, the young point guards, just, you know, sharing some of that knowledge of some of the things that the old older guys did with me, man. But Hey, listen, hey, it's nothing I can say about that. It is what it is. Was there anything in specific that, like, changed that? Like, I know that there's always constant reworkings of, like, how the CBA or it's just something that happened. I I have no clue, man, really, you know, because you still see some teams who do it. Let me look at look at UD, look at Udonis Haslam. I mean, he's still he's still in the league and look at how successful Miami is every year. You know, they they have up and downs. But then all of a sudden, look at them. They don't move all the way up to the number one spot. You know, after being a team that a lot of people was like, dang, where they don't even make the playoffs. Mm. And all of a sudden they just pick it up. You know what I'm saying? Like you see your getting that, getting that Jimmy Butler the other day, almost about to fight. 
Like, you know what I'm saying? But that's the type of stuff that you need. That's the type of stuff that, you know, you're looking at a, a, a veteran going at your, your best player, going at your, 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 your franchise player like that. You know what I'm nobody saying? Nobody else, nobody else is going to do that. But, you know, and that's what you need to see. That's what, that's what the younger guys, that's what everybody else need to see. And that's how you keep that team together. That's how you keep that bond so strong. And that's why they're so successful. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, I, I guess, I guess nobody else see that. Nobody else sees that. They just like they just go with it. I mean, you look at Phoenix. Look how look how Phoenix playing. Those young, all those young boys. But then you got a Chris Paul over there in the mix. You got a Jay Crowder over there in the mix. You got two guys who's been around the league, who's been playing on winning teams, and understands how to be professional. And you mix that with those young guys and him and, and the way Chris is able to share that knowledge and teach those guys how to be professional, teach those guys how to be ready to play. Then on top of that, they got a great coach like Monty who really understands that and a great coaching staff that he has over there that is just, it, it's, it's obvious. When you look at those teams and you look at like, dang, like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's that. <laughs> No, you can notice it a lot with those teams, just in like how they carry themselves, how they carry themselves, how they act on the bench. And it's something that with young teams, you just don't see. I mean, unfortunately, with the Knicks right now, like I think they're turning it around, but the energy just seems off some nights. And I think that they could use sort of those those guiding voices to keep them in check and to, to at the end of the day, hold the players accountable. Yeah, that's true. All right, Ray. Uh, again, I appreciate your time, man. No problem. Go heels this weekend. I know you'll be watching. So I have a go. That was this week's episode. Ray Felton on the 2013 Knicks. This is your host, Dylan Dreyfus. I'll be back next week with a fresh episode. A reminder to drop a rating and a review on the pod. If you liked what you just heard, we appreciate all the support. Keep track on all the latest news on our Instagram page at Forgotten Seasons NBA. Thank you for tapping in. I will catch you next week. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.